Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks this chance to experience you. We give you thanks this chance to hear your word. We give you thanks this chance to be in your presence. Loving God, guide us that we may be faithful in the task before us. Uh, good evening, friends, and welcome to another edition of Scripture Talk, um, our podcast where we talk about Scripture, as the name implies. It's very simple if you think about it, that on Scripture Talk, well, what do they do? They talk about Scripture. I, again, you know, it's, it's remarkable, the depth. Anyways, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is, go Brandy! Sister Brandy Dudley, good evening, y'all. And go Scott! Pastor Scott Ketchon, hope y'all are having a great day. And uh, Stacy is not with us this evening. Uh, he is with uh, his mother, who is ill. Uh, and so keep uh, that family uh, and him in your prayers. Um, uh, we miss having him, but of course he needs to be with his family. Um, and so we are uh, are going to talk about some scripture on this here edition of Scripture Talk. Our scripture this evening is Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 1 through 13. It is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamp, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You have better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, th this is... This is in some ways a parable that goes a lot like the advice you get on every airliner to attach your mask before you attach somebody else's, right? Don't give away the, you know, be generous by all means, but perhaps don't give away the oil so that everyone's lights go out. Um, if uh, if there's not enough oil to go around, make sure some of the lamps, because uh, you could also call this the parable of the ungenerous bridesmaids. Now, they're called wise, but they are also not generous because there is that real risk that their light that they're going to run out of oil too. Now, okay, so this is not advice on oil or lamps or bridesmaids or bridegrooms. This is a parable about your Christ's returning, right? And so it is about staying alert and staying ready and keeping watch because as Christ reminds us and then Paul reminds us and as we keep having to remind ourselves, we do not know when the end is coming. So, you know, don't put off the things you could be doing uh, because you'll do it in time. You may run out of time. There may be no in time if you do not do it in time. So, so we're back to our uh, famous saying of unlimited grace, but uh, the but offer is only for a limited, limited time. Limited time, yeah. Right. Unlimited grace, right? 
you can go through as many cycles of messing up and coming back. God never, like, pulls God's hand away, right? Unlimited grace. You can screw up unlimited times. With one proviso, your life is not unlimited. Uh, your life on this earth is not unlimited. The life of this earth, the life of this age is not unlimited. At some point, both you will end and this age will end. And so if you are putting off all of your forgiveness seeking and all of your preparing for Christ um, to the end, that's a bad strategy. That's a real good way to, you know, not to steal a title from a book series that I do not like. Um, that's a great way to get left behind. <laughs> now, on, on a different aspect, oh. <laughs> uh, looking at the uh, the oil, um, uh, you know what, what that reminds me of, you know, the ones not just in the being prepared, but constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, oil often uses that little uh, analogy and comparison. And, and as Christians, we, we all have a measure of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God never runs out. And I think if we seek, there's always more for us to get. But making sure we as individuals don't run out by not being plugged in, not doing the things that we should do to maintain relationship with him uh, seems to, at least to me, uh, have a play in this as well. Well, there's this idea of of thinking ahead, right? That part of, and that gets to you know some understandings of discipleship, like and and some you know and where Wesley goes with sanctification, is you know if it is just about this being saved or not being saved, why do I got to do any of the rest of this? Why do why do I care? You keep saying I need to come to church. You keep saying I need to read my Bible. You keep saying, do all these things. I, I've been told I'm saved. Yeah, absolutely. Great. You are 100% true. Now, here's the thing. At some point, it, the going will get tough, right? The, the you know, the, the, the expected coming will take much longer than you think it is. Um, and so if you are not keeping your lamp, if you're not working at keeping your lamp lit, when you need that lamp, will it still be lit, right? That that is, yeah. that there is a way to think about this in terms of a discipleship piece of like making sure you've got, like actively feeding your soul so that when the trial comes, in this case, the trial represented uh, by the bridegroom uh, taking way longer than you think it should, which, you know, yo, that's a thing. Um you know, in some ways that gets back to last week's scripture that, you know, we just, we get impatient, we get hacked off and we give up, right? <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you not get impatient? How do you not get hacked off? How do you not get up? How do you make sure your lamp will be ready when the time comes for lamp needing? Um, it is doing the work ahead of time, being prepared. Uh, so when the trial comes, you're not caught flat footed without some extra oil. I think another aspect that we can take away from this is I, I used to hear it said don't get caught with your work. constantly do the work of God and don't get caught up to where you know you well I want to hear God say well done my good and faithful servant that's yeah. that's the goal of what I'm looking for in my life and I want to keep stay ready when that time comes don't be caught off guard and does and say, I don't know, or I didn't know. We have to stay ready, and it's our job as 
people of God to tell others to stay ready, keep your oil lamp on and be ready because he's coming whether you want him to or not. Well, right. Uh, and, and, and that coming will both be, and I think this frames it, this frames it well, that it will be both way longer than you think it should and also be a surprise. You would think that those two things would not go together. Something that takes way too long and that something is also surprising. But that's true, right? It, it is the, you know, the most dangerous moment on any sort of bomb range or working with explosives is you press the button and nothing happens. Right. This is, you know, you want to, you know, this is where it gets explosives are kind of dangerous, but you have safety procedures, right? You stay far away and you, you know, make sure your wiring is right and all of that. But every once in a while you have this situation where you are working with an explosive. You press the button that you think it's supposed to blow. It is supposed to blow up and it doesn't go. The kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God is something like that. You have pushed the button. You think it should be here. It isn't here. But are you going to be ready in case it is there? Uh, what do you do in that situation? This is this is an example of like, it will both take way longer than you think. You think, you know, even Paul gets caught up in this a little bit, right? That like, oh, Jesus is coming back on Tuesday. Don't buy milk. Jesus is coming. Don't bother getting married. Don't bother buying milk. Um, don't put up grain for the winter. Don't plan for retirement. Jesus is going to come before you need any of that. And even then in Paul, in, in writing the Thessalonians, has to go back to these words of Jesus of like, oh, no, uh, it will come like a thief in the night. Um, you, do, you will not know the day nor the hour. It will be a surprise, and it's going to take way longer than you think it should. And certainly has, right? Many of the early disciples um, and even the early Christian writers in the period just after Paul thought, hey, the apocalypse, the end of time, the second coming, it's like Tuesday. Get set. And then it didn't come. And then what do you do? How do you keep? So we are constantly in this cycle of how do I keep alert for an end that is definitely coming? but for an end that I cannot put my finger on as to when it will end. Honestly, the end, how we feel about the end of the coronavirus is a really good way to think about the end of time. Because, like, we know this virus will come to an end. But, like, if you would have asked me six months ago, when was it going to end? I would have told you, I don't know, five months ago. And yet, here we still are. And so someday the coronavirus will end, but it will both take way longer than we think. And then also it will be all of a sudden we look around and go, oh, it's over. I can go outside now. I can throw all of my masks away, but I like them. No, I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> I'll keep that, in mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, I find it interesting. Both the wise and the foolish fell asleep. And slumber. Yeah. So that, I think that points to what you were talking about of just not knowing the time and it just taking longer than they expected. And so when we look at how we stay ready, um, you know, I, I think of what, you know, uh, Wesley said in his three rules, do no harm, do good and attend to the ordinances of God. And so it's that, yeah. that working of the uh, sanctification. The We don't really make a checklist of planning for the end time. We just in working and walking out our daily life, creating that relationship with God daily, it takes care of all of that. So it kind of reminds back to seek ye first the kingdom of God 
you know, seeking him first and all the other things being added, it, it still plays into this. If we're, if we're just seeking him first and focusing on that, then we will, by default, keep our lamps full of oil. But it's also, there's also a piece of that of like, the, if you can think about the sleeping as settling in, right? Settling in, it's going to be a while. Right. Don't run around like Chicken Little going, the end is coming. The end is coming. The end is coming. You know, I, I think about various failed apocalyptic movements um, that actually. So I actually think of the Seventh-day Adventists. So fun fact about the Seventh-day Adventists is they come from um, an apocalyptic movement in the 1800s that actually f- f- believed they had a day figured out that the world was going to, that Christ was going to come back on this day. Um, and they said, okay. And then they got all ready for it. And then it didn't come. And then they did something truly remarkable. They settled in and kept going as a church and kept going as a religious movement. And still, you know, I drove by a seventh day Adventist. I drove by a seventh day at either easy for me to say seventh day adventist church just the other day right it, it's they settled in to the work of living in this age as christian people just with a keen aware that someday the end is coming well then too we gotta uh, remember some folks act like that the world is not going to come to an end and he's not uh-huh. coming back so they just want to live the way they want to or act the way they want to, it's not going to come to an end. We got to live each day like it is the last. Well, yeah, and I wonder. Drink can be merry type uh, attitude, but not necessarily in a good uh, moderated amount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I wonder if our current experience with the current moment can help us think about that too. Right, any time it's good times, humans are tempted to think that good times are always going to roll, that it's always going to be good times. And maybe this small reminder, this nine-month reminder, that the good times don't always keep going quite the way we think we will, can help push us to see the world differently, to see see how the fragile nature of existence, the you know, the unlimited grace for, but we, our time is limited, um, can drive home just how quickly what we think of as normal, what we think of as the given fabric of reality can be swept out from underneath us, right? I remember, you know, even three weeks before the lockdown began, I remember thinking, eh, the virus is in China and there's a few cases here, but I'm not really that worried about it. And then three weeks later, I'm like in high level leadership discussions of like, you know, what are we going to do about worship? You know, um, are we ready to go streaming only? What is the governor saying? Right. You know, Scott, you and I are on the phone parsing press conferences, governor's press yeah. com- pre- governor's press conferences of what does this mean for us? Um, you know, trying to reschedule Holy Week, right? Um, and that happened in, 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 in essentially in a matter of days. The coronavirus went from being far away and forget about it to the only thing I can think about in about 35 seconds, or what feels like 35 seconds. Well, we had our own laps ready. We so we're surviving it. So, <laughs> well, sure, right. But this, I mean, this goes back when to did Noah build the ark before the storm. 
before it's my, it's my family motto when did noah build the ark before the storm before the storm that if, if, if you are new to the show that is that is not scripture it is from it is talking about scripture that is from the robert redford and brad pitt movie spy game um Robert Redford is training the young spy, uh, Brad Pitt, and trying to teach him the things you need to know about being a spy, or the things you need to know about life. And one of the questions is, when did Noah build the ark before the storm? When did the wise bridesmaids fill their lamps? Before the night came. Before the night came. Um, Because it is remarkable how quickly things that you think are so far away or so impossible are just here, right? Anyone who's like waited for a baby to be born or waiting for a woman to start going to labor um, or been a woman waiting to go into labor, that that covers just about everybody, um, could be one or the other um, or both. Um, Know that like, it's not here, it's not here, it's not here, and then all of a sudden it's definitely happening. Uh, And it is remarkable how quickly that switch can happen. So too with the end of time. Right, as with the coronavirus, as with childbirth, as with any of these things, it is remarkable how something far away and so abstract can become really concrete and right in front of us. You know, remember when pandemics were a thing we watched in movies and went, That's crazy. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that yeah. feeling? I, I miss it. That movie, uh, uh, Outbreak. Yeah. Outbreak. Contagion. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28 days later. Um, uh, lots of, yeah, you know, remember when zombie movies didn't feel weirdly accurate? Um, and that, you know, the other thing I've realized is like all of these people who like try to cover up that they have Corona, if they got bit by a zombie, they do the same thing. You should think about that. We're learning a lot about Mm -hmm. people and how accurate zombie movies are. Now, another interesting aspect when thinking about back to the oil and just ask when did Noah build the ark is thinking about when do Christians start enjoying eternal life? Uh huh. Before they pass. Uh huh. Ooh, ooh, good question. Is yeah. To be experienced now. That is part yeah. of what we should be uh, doing and building in our relationship with Christ and not mm-hmm. looking at it as something that is in the hereafter it is for the here and now and it's what helps us to be prepared and to get through to that point welcome to my problem with i'll fly away we made it back we made it back friends to just how my my deep theological problem with one glad morning when this life is o'er i'll fly away i'll fly away oh glory because it is a song about how i can't wait to die and leaves out what you just said scott uh which is Part of the kingdom of God is experiencing heaven and eternal life and resurrection right here, right now. We did it. We made it back. We wrapped around to I'll fly away. Yes. Let me piggyback on that. Let me piggyback Uh on that because Uh we have, here we go, mindset Mm. that every time we hear the word eternal life, we think about dying and going to heaven. We Uh got to get in our brain that life begins now. Eternal life is here. Because uh, Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. So uh-huh. eternal life is right here on earth. We just got to get our mind our brain to say we don't have to wait to die to live. Right. 
because if yeah. we had to wait to die to live, if we had to wait to physically, I understand like dying to self, dying to desires. Um, I, I understand that idea. Um, but that like, if we had to wait to physically die for anything to get good, that's a suicide cult, not a healthy religion. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that is like, you know, let us all put on the New Balance shoes and the track pants and drink the Kool Aid and meet the aliens, right? Like, that's not a healthy, that is not healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for like in a world full of people like me with mental illness, like, particularly depression. Like, don't tell me that all the good stuff only happens after I'm dead. You know, a lot of people with depression do not need help with that. <laughs> And that's uh, part of the issue sometimes with how salvation is presented. If the starting point of salvation is for after you die, then, you know, that's wrong. You're missing how much of salvation is for the here and now. This life, you know, the the abundant life of Christ and all of that takes place now, is worked out now, not just for a, hey, after you die, you can avoid punishment. That, that That's not why he went to the cross. It wasn't just to... Was it just? It is part of why. Yeah, it's part of why, but that's not mm-hmm. the only reason. And we, it isn't just us making that, like we were saying earlier, that decision and then sitting around and waiting for what happens after you die. No, it's it's working it out, doing the service, doing the, you know, the working out in fear of trembling, our salvation, the community with uh, building relationship with God, community with the uh, fellow members of the church and with those outside of the church. Right. Can someone tell that to whoever edits and publishes the hymnal Heavenly Highways? This is the <laughs> hymnal we use at uh, Springfield UMC um, and the hymnal we use for our hymn syncs. By the way, we have one on Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, if you're watching this live in Palestine, Texas. Um, but like, it, it, it's lovely if you want two kinds of hymns. If you want a hymn that talks about the blood of Jesus, which again, very important, although I'll tell you there is a fountain filled with blood, is perhaps the least visitor-friendly song um, I can imagine. Um, Imagine never encountering a church before and walking in, and on the slate of hymns today is there is a fountain filled with blood. That's a horror film, not a source of joy. I understand the theology of it. And yet, um, and hymns about how it's really going to get good when we die. And okay, yes, things will get great when we die, but there's so much more to the Christian life um, than waiting for death. Because if all we're doing is marking time and waiting for death, then then we then what are we doing? Then what are we still doing in this life? Um, that that's not that is not healthy. Um, and so there is more to, there is more to this, going back to the bridesmaids, at least for a second, um, there is more to this Im- image of them sleeping than just like waiting for the bridesmaids to show up. It is, to me, settling into this life, not just, you know, marking time until the end of time, when then finally eternal life begins. No, eternal life is right here, right now, and also more fully in the age to come. It's the already and the not yet, one of those great theological terms that we pray all the time and don't think about, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it's already kind of that way, and it will be fully that way in time. Perhaps not on time, but in time. time. You know, the heavenly highways, you know, kind of, in all writings, you, as an English teacher, I tend to think about author's purpose and uh, who 
was the intended office audience. I mean, and, and you know, watching those who really enjoy that, there is a, a generational gap of those who really do enjoy those songs. So maybe it just becomes more meaningful the closer to that aspect of life you get. Yeah, the closer to the end of life, the more I like singing about how I'll fly away. So the nicer version of that <laughs> that I've heard um, is that why particularly that genre of like late 1890s through 1930s kind of him contemporary Christian music okay the contemporary Christian music of the 1890s through 1930s is so focused on I'll fly away oh glory is yo know, life was really hard particularly in the rural areas of the United States where these songs largely come out of you are still kind of scraping an existence on a frontier and so it was really comforting to remember that yes my life is like building a log cabin and fighting with bears or whatever uh, I'm not a farmer nor a pioneer um, but whatever that life is like or I'm going through the Great Depression um, it's very comforting to think that whenever this life is over it's not going to keep being like this because my existence is rough and so certainly that is like the hope in heaven and the hope in our life to come but you know just putting all of our eggs in that thematic basket that Heavenly Highways, and it's not just Heavenly Highways, that's just the version of that hymnal. There's a thousand different versions of that same kind of what are often called old gospel song hymnals, and kind of scraping them for anything other than uh, some version of triumphantly, this gets better when I'm dead or I'm washed in the blood is just hard to do. And really makes pairing them with sermons that are not about one of those two things. It's obviously important to preach on those things. We're talking about this text for a reason. Um, it's just not maybe the only thing I want to preach on. And yet it seems to be the only thing I can pair songs with if I'm using the Heavenly Highways. It's kind of challenging to use the Heavenly Highways to pair this. That's where we're having trouble now is worship planning because there's nothing in there that says, you know, be ready, do the work. We're just dying in that book. <laughs> right. You're di Either Jesus is dying or you are dying, right? Either you yeah. are washed in the blood of the lamb. Again, great. Very glad. We need to sing about that. But, you know, there's just a lot to this. There's a lot to this spiritual life. And part of our job as preachers and our job as, you know, people what talk about scripture is to help people keep the oil on hand for the hard times, to keep, you know, to help people in their being alertness. Um, in, in that, that, and that's, again, it's why we go to church. It's why we read the Bible. It's why we have spiritual disciplines is that's the oil. That's part of what the oil is, is so that when, when it feels like things are taking forever, it feels like Christ ain't never going to come, we have that oil in reserve to say, no, I'll be ready when the time comes. Yeah, in other words, to stay that. lit. Yeah. yeah. Stay lit. And, and, and I was sitting here thinking, looking back over that watch therefore uh, thing, and uh, for a moment it, I, I remembered when they were rebuilding uh, the walls around Jerusalem and how they would watch and pray, watch mm -hmm. and, and work. You know, one hand, uh, doing one work and one hand almost at the ready to defend in that situation, but really just being ready to do what needed to be done, always in that uh, mode of not 
losing track of both sides of what needs to be worked on. Well, and, and it, I guess the last piece of this, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for the day, is there's a certain, like, hurry up and wait to the Christian life, right? Um, that, that, we, that we need to appreciate. And anyone who's had to keep any kind of night watch, whether you were in the army or had to work security or whatever, right? Like, it is sometimes hard to hurry up and wait out the night. Um, it is hard to stay awake. It is hard to stay vigilant. Um, it, there's a reason why attacks come under the under the cover of darkness beyond just, you know, it's harder to see because in, in that darkness, without that light resetting our internal clock, like it becomes hard to stay awake, to stay alert. Um, and so this like watch, 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 um, because we may, we're in a night of indeterminate length. And so that push to watch, push to watch, push to watch, because actually keeping, keeping that level of alertness, keeping that level of readiness is not, ne- is not necessarily an easy thing. Anyone who's had to keep a night watch will tell you that. Anyways, friends, that uh, brings us to an end of another edition of Scripture Talk. Um, If you have feedback for us, please, uh, you can post them here uh, in the Facebook comments if you're with us live or after the fact. Uh, You can uh, post them on YouTube where we post this as well. You can post them on our website, palestinegrace.com slash video. Uh, You can email us, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. Um, we also have an audio-only version of the show available after the fact. Just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church into your podcatcher of choice, and we will be back with you with another edition of this uh, next week. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Um, and remember, fear not. Stay well. God is with us. <laughs>